Amen. Let's continue praying together. Lord Jesus, you are indeed our glory, our prize. You are indeed the one we look to. We turn our eyes to you, for you're the lovely one, you're the beautiful one. And as we turn our eyes to you, as we see your glory, Lord, change us from one degree of glory to another. Transform us as we behold your glory, your majesty, your might. Lord Jesus, come. We long for that day when our King will return for his own. And so come, Lord Jesus. We we pray that you would help us to live in anticipation and expectation of that day. Lord, in the meantime, Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Help us to glorify you, honor you with everything that we are. We thank you for the truth of the gospel that you laid down your life for us and our place. We thank you that because of that, we are adopted by the Father. We are your children. We have all the blessings and benefits that you won for us, Lord Jesus. So we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. We pray now that you would open your word to us, that you would help us to see what you want us to see. You would help us to know and understand your truth. God, I pray that those in this room who have never trusted in Christ, I pray that you would awaken their soul. Help them to see this morning. And for all of us, Lord, help us to see. And as we see, transform us, change us, and help us to be very grateful for what you have done for us. We pray you'd help us now in Jesus' great name. Amen and amen. Well, moms, I hope today is special. I hope today is memorable for you. I hope your kids and your husband show all kinds of appreciation to you for the ways that you care for your family, the way that you lead your family, for the way that you're a blessing to your family. Because we believe charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And moms, I have a special Mother's Day gift for you. A very memorable Mother's Day sermon on the trumpet judgments in Revelation 8 and 9. In God's wise providence, this is the passage we are on in our study of the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 8 and 9 are what we're on this morning. These two chapters contain the seventh of the seven seals being opened and six of the seven trumpets being blown. Now, I know this is a longer passage than we normally cover, but I want to start this morning by reading all of it, and then we're going to break it into smaller sections and try to understand the main point. But remember that Revelation begins, chapter 1, verse 3, with a blessing for the people who read and hear and keep what is written in this book. And so it is no burden at all to read these two chapters out loud. In fact, we're going to read it expecting a blessing from God. And as we read this, don't forget that everything since chapter 5 and everything through the rest of the book of Revelation comes from the throne of God and from the Lamb who is worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals to reveal God's plan and purposes. Everything we're going to see is from God and from the worthy Lamb who is opening the scroll. So Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. 
John says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the, th- that the three angels are about to blow. Chapter 9, and the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. And they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. 
They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. Then the, angel, then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. And so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lions' heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons, and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So let's consider this passage under the two sections that we see here. The seventh seal is in chapter 8 verses 1 through 5. And then the rest of the passage from 8, 6 on is the six, six of the seven trumpets. So first let's consider the six or the seventh seal. The seventh seal in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 8. So as the Lamb opens the final seal, notice a few things that we're supposed to experience with our senses. John wants us to imagine these things. And so just use your senses to notice these things. First, hear the silence. Hear the silence. Chapter 8, verse 1 says that there was silence in heaven for about half an hour when Jesus opened that seventh and final seal. Now up until this point, heaven has been loud the praises of the angelic creatures and the redeemed saints have reverberated in ceaseless worship. We have already encountered in the book of Revelation many loud voices along with roaring thunder and lightning. But with the opening of this seventh seal, there is an eerie silence in heaven. Thirty minutes of silence. This has to be one of the loudest silences in all of history. And so what does it mean? What does this silence signify? Well, this is the silence of awful expectation. 
When I say awful, I mean awe-filled expectation. Something is about to happen that literally takes the breath of heaven away. If there was ever a calm before the storm, here it is. In the Old Testament, there are many references to silence as a judgment, as an expression of God's judgment on earth. When God brings judgment, all mouths are silenced before Him. In other words, who can say anything in response to God's decisive plan and purpose? Who can say anything in response to what God has decided to do? And so listen to this loud silence. Listen to what this silence is saying. It is declaring the glory of our God who sits on the throne and who judges sin and wickedness. This is a silence that loudly declares and announces God is on the throne and He will do as He pleases. God is on the throne and He will judge as He sees fit. So hear the silence, but secondly, smell the incense. Hear the silence and smell this incense. In verses 3 and 4, we see this angel with a golden censer offering incense before the throne of God. But the important thing to notice about this incense that's being offered is that it's being offered, notice, with the prayers of all the saints. These prayers are said to rise before God like smoke. The prayers of the saints are coming before the throne of God. Verse 5 tells us that in response to this incense being offered, these prayers being given to God, this angel throws fire on the earth which brings thunder and an earthquake. You see what this tells us? This tells us that these judgments that are coming from the throne of God are coming in direct response to the prayers of the saints. Don't miss this in verses 3-5. through The, The judgment that's coming, the thunder and the lightning that's coming on the people of earth is coming in response to the prayers of the saints. The picture is that God's people are crying out for justice like we saw back in chapter 6. The martyrs who are under the altar are crying out, How long until you avenge us, O Lord? And as the people of God cry for justice, God answers their prayers with these seal judgments. And now we're going to see in these trumpet judgments. These judgments are God's answer to the prayers of His people. Friends, this whole scene here, reminds us that our prayers are not meaningless. God hears and answers the prayers of His people. Our cries for justice are heard and answered by God. Pleading with God for His kingdom to come and for His will to be done does not fall on deaf ears. This is meant to be an encouragement to us as we patiently await the return of King Jesus. Waiting can be so hard. There are so many injustices, so many wrongs in our world today that our hearts ought to be crying out, how long, Lord? How long are you going to let this happen? And this this picture is giving us the answer. God is hearing the prayers and God is going to send His righteous judgment. It may seem at times like our prayers fall on deaf ears, but this vision is ultimate reality. This is the truth. We don't have to see all wrongs 
punished in this life because we know that God has the answer. He will judge. So hear the silence. Smell the incense. But also see the trumpets. See the trumpets. In verse 2, we're told that seven angels are given seven trumpets. John says he saw this. And in verse 6, these same angels prepare to blow or sound these trumpets. Now, knowing how much Old Testament imagery is in the book of Revelation, I think these trumpets are meant to remind us of the trumpets at the battle of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. Remember the story? Israel entered the promised land, and one of the very first things they encountered was the fortified city of Jericho. How in the world would the Israelites take the city of Jericho with all of its walls and fortress? Well, God commanded His people to march around the city of Jericho one time a day for six days. And as the people marched around one time a day for six days, the, tr- the, the priests were to sound the trumpets as they marched. And on the seventh day, God commanded them to circle the city seven times. And on the last lap, the trumpets were to be blown, the people were to shout, and God made the walls of the city collapse. You see what the trumpets did for the city of Jericho? The trumpets sounded the alarm for Jericho. They were used to declare that judgment was coming. This is the purpose of these trumpet judgments here in Revelation. They sound the alarm. They warn the complacent. They call people to repentance. They summon the church to spiritual warfare. And just as the walls of Jericho fell after those trumpet blasts, so the walls of this sinful world will fall after these trumpet blasts. God will bring judgment on all those who love their idols more than they love Him. And so the purpose of these trumpets that we see here is to sound the alarm, to warn the ungodly that the day of the Lord is near. In fact, listen to Joel chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. It is near. And so in Revelation 8, 1 through 5, we see that all of heaven is in awe and dread, anticipating these trumpets being blown. And we see that these trumpets come in response to the prayers of the people of God. These trumpets are the answer to the prayers of the saints. And we see that these trumpets are about to be blown to warn the people of earth. And so in chapter 8, verse 6, all the way through the end of chapter 9, John sees the angels blow the first six trumpets. And so here is the second part of our text, the first six trumpets. Now before we consider each of these trumpet blasts, let me make a few introductory comments about how to understand these trumpet judgments. Okay, So I'm going to give you four clarifying comments before we look at each individual trumpet. So these four clarifying comments are something of application before we even get to 
the, the actual trumpets. And so consider these things as we read about the trumpets, as we consider what the trumpets are about. Let me try to help us understand what's going on here. Here's the first clarifying comment. These trumpets are patterned after the plagues on Egypt in the book of Exodus. These trumpets are patterned after the plagues on Egypt in the book of Exodus. So as we move particularly through the first five trumpets, we can see that each one of them echoes one of the plagues that God sent on Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Those ten plagues in Exodus were designed to show God's power over the gods of Egypt. They were sent to show that the idols of Egypt were no match for the one true and living God. And in the same way, notice these trumpet judgments show God's sovereignty over the idols that we are tempted to worship. It is the height of foolishness. Listen, it is the height of foolishness to worship created things rather than the Creator. And these trumpets make that very clear. Second clarifying comment. These trumpets are controlled and ordained by God. You need to hear this before we see just how terrifying and awful these trumpet judgments are. This is from God. These are controlled and ordained by God. So make no mistake about this. God is in full control throughout these trumpet judgments. These are not things that just happen. They come from the throne at the direction of God. We see this in chapter 8, verse 2, where it says the angels were given the trumpets. Who gave them the trumpets? God did. Who's the one limiting the scope of these trumpets and their devastation? God is. Who's the one who's prepared the angels in chapter 9, verse 15, for this day, this hour, this month, this year? God is. Satan is not sovereign. God is. God controls what happens. These are His trumpet judgments. And therefore, there must be a grand and glorious purpose for them. Which is getting at the third clarifying statement. And this gets really important to understand. These trumpets are pictures of the ugliness and horror of our sin. You need to understand this. These trumpets are pictures of the ugliness and horror of our sin. Now, not that you need the reminder, but remember that this is apocalyptic literature. These are not literal prophecies about what will literally take place. I don't think hell and fire will literally burn up a third of the earth. I don't think a big mountain will literally fall into the sea, turning the sea into blood. Apocalyptic literature uses pictures to communicate something bigger than just the pictures themselves. That's the point of apocalyptic literature. They're pictures that point to greater realities than themselves. And so the goal isn't to take the book of Revelation or take these two chapters and take the newspaper and try to find events that are happening today that loosely correspond to these trumpets. That's not the goal. No, the goal is to look at the big truths that these images point us to. And so I think these catastrophic images and pictures point us to just how catastrophic sin's destruction is in our lives. 
I think these physical images show us spiritual truths. Our sin is so horrendous and God's judgment will be so severe on sinners that it is as if a third of all the waters on earth are poisoned. Think about how much life would be destroyed if a third of all the waters was made bitter and undrinkable. That would throw our world into absolute chaos. And in the same way, God's judgment on idol worshipers will be severe and it will be bitter. And so those who interpret these trumpets as corresponding to world events or technological advances, I think they absolutely miss the points. And so let me be as clear as I know how to be on how I interpret these trumpet judgments. These are pictures that represent a little bit of what sinners will experience in hell. This is clear as I know how to be on how to interpret this. I think these are pictures that represent just a little of how horrendous and how severe the judgment of God will be in hell. These apocalyptic images echo the fierceness of God's wrath against sin and just how horrible our sin is in the eyes of God. You see, we go through life with this sort of fog of apathy and indifference to ultimate realities of life. And these apocalyptic images are designed to wake us up. They're like a trumpet blast when you're sleeping. Wake up to these realities. They're designed to sound the alarm in our souls. These trumpets declare just how powerless our idols are to save us and how they will turn on us and torment us forever if we are not in Jesus. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying God can't physically do these things. God can make locusts that sting like scorpions. God can darken the sun and throw mountains into the sea. God is all-powerful. He can do anything He wants. But what I'm saying is that these images don't speak primarily about God's power. They speak primarily about God's holy hatred of sin and idolatry. These are pictures of what your and my sin deserve. These are pictures of what, what our rebellion against God, what our idol worship should get. That's the third clarifying comment. Here's the fourth. These trumpets are designed to lead us to repentance. These trumpets are designed to lead us to repentance. And so before we look at each of these trumpets specifically, just notice the tragic main point of this passage. Look at chapter 9, verses 20 and 21 again. Here's the main point. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So please understand this. The most tragic part of this passage, however you interpret these trumpet judgments, the most tragic part of this passage is not the trumpets themselves, but the human response to the trumpets. 
Just like Pharaoh in Egypt, people only harden their hearts and refuse to listen to God. Even though they clearly see His power and His glory, they refuse to listen to Him and they refuse to repent of their sins. You see, worshiping and serving idols is as foolish as seeing a third of the population on earth killed in a moment because of idolatry and still not giving up your idolatry. That's stupid. That is dumb. To see idols destroyed and idol worshipers destroyed and go on worshiping your idols. That's the point of these trumpet judgments. And so, Do you have a category for this truth? Is is this something that registers in your mind? These trumpet judgments are merciful judgments from God. God judges sin. Why? So that sinners will repent of sin. God shows us the horror of what we worship so that we'll turn away from our idols and worship Him. This is merciful from God. These trumpets are intended to draw us to repentance by showing us that nothing and no one but God should be trusted. These trumpets are God's mercy and patience on an unbelieving world. And therefore, the only logical response is to turn away from idols and to turn to God alone. So let's hear the warning of God's wrath and let's repent before it is too late. If you had to If you had to put a burden on this passage, that's it. Hear the warning of God's wrath and repent before it's too late. And so with those clarifying comments, let's notice the trumpets themselves. The first trumpet is in chapter 8, verse 7. The first trumpet parallels the seventh plague on Egypt. Hail and fire that destroy crops and trees and grass. John tells us that this hail and this fire were mixed with blood, which speaks to death and destruction. This may be an image of war where one of the tactics of an enemy would be to burn the fields and crops and food supply around a city. The result of this tactic would surely be famine and starvation. Again, what's the point of this picture of destruction? To show us what idol worshipers deserve and what they will ultimately experience. The second trumpet is in chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. A fiery mountain is thrown into the sea and a third of the sea becomes blood, which causes a third of the living creatures to die and a third of the ships to be destroyed. If this actually happened, it would mean utter devastation to the economy and to life itself. This second trumpet along with the third trumpet parallels the first plague on Egypt when God made the Nile River turn into blood. The third trumpet is in chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. A great star fell from heaven and tainted a third of the waters. The name of the star is Wormwood which was a type of plant that if you placed it in water would make the water undrinkable. Verse 11 says that as a result of this third trumpet, many people died from drinking this water. Again, what's the point? This is a picture of the devastating result of our sin. Just how God will one day reveal how bitter and destructive our sin is. This is what your idolatry leads toward bitterness and death. The fourth trumpet is in chapter 8, verse 12. 
This trumpet strikes the sun and the moon and the stars, causing a third more darkness than normal. Again, if this actually happened, it would be devastating to life on earth. This fourth trumpet parallels the ninth plague on Egypt where God covered the entire land in darkness. Darkness in the Scripture is clearly a metaphor for sin and judgment. John chapter 3, verse 19 says, Light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. And so in this fourth trumpet, God is giving sinners what they already want. God is giving sinners over to their darkness. They want darkness. They want evil. Well, here you go. This is what you'll get forever. And then notice this dreadful picture we get in chapter 8, verse 13, before the fifth trumpet is blown. John says, Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on earth at the blast of the other trumpets that these, the three angels are about to blow. Now, just the thought of an eagle speaking is terrifying. But notice what the eagle says. Woe. This is a term that describes terror and dread. And to say woe three times is to emphasize and highlight this terror just as God is holy, holy, holy. So the judgment and dread that is coming on sinners is woe, woe, woe. Notice that this woe is specifically for who? For those who dwell on the earth. Now this is an important theme in the book of Revelation. It's an important phrase. This term, those who dwell on the earth, is a term that describes not just people who live on the earth, but people who love the earth. People who are in rebellion against God. These earth dwellers don't love God. They don't worship Him. They worship idols and they turn away from God. And so it's possible to live on earth, but not be of the earth. It's possible to be here on the earth, but not be an earth dweller. And so as believers, that's who we are. We live on earth, but we are not citizens of this earth. We are citizens of heaven. We await a better kingdom. We are not earth dwellers. Well, the fifth trumpet begins in chapter 9, verse 1, and it goes all the way to 9-11. This fifth trumpet contains the image of a terrifying, devilish, locust army that torments the people of earth. The fifth trumpet parallels the eighth plague on Egypt, the locust that destroyed all of Egypt but did not touch the people of God. This fifth trumpet is something like something out of a horror movie. Like imagine your worst nightmare multiplied by a thousand. Notice that John uses the word like at least 11 times in this passage indicating that John didn't even know what this was when he saw it. John's just grasping for words, grasping for language to try to describe this grotesque picture. Satan, or one of his demons, is given the key to the bottomless pit, which I guess represents hell. And this shaft of hell is opened, and what comes out of the shaft of hell is smoke and locusts with the power to sting like scorpions. This locust army is led by Satan himself. Notice he's called the destroyer, Apollyon in verse 11. And these locusts torment people in such a way that you see it, that people seek death and cannot find it. 
The people are tormented by these devilish locusts and they long to die, but death literally will flee from them. Death will go running when the people of earth want it. Notice in this fifth trumpet that these locusts have some restraints placed on them by God. Verse 4 says they cannot harm the grass or trees or plants. And so these are strange locusts. These locusts don't do what normal locusts do. And verse 5 says that they are only allowed to torment for five months and they cannot kill people. And notice that God will not allow them to touch or torment the people He has sealed. Notice verse 4 again. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. We saw last week in chapter 7 that God seals His servants. God protects His own. And so these locusts are only allowed to torment unbelievers. Now, isn't this a tragic irony? Satan torments his own followers. Satan seduces people into serving him only to then torment them when they do. Friends, you got to understand this. Our idols are self-destructive. They lure us in with this false hope that they'll give us what we need, but then they turn on us when we need them most. This is a picture of the ugliness and destructive nature of our sin. Sin cannot deliver on its promises. Sin and Satan will always let you down. Always. And not only that, but sin and Satan will destroy your soul. That's the fifth trumpet. Notice the sixth trumpet is blown in chapter 9, verse 13 through 19. A third of mankind is killed and a vast army is unleashed. In verse 16, John hears the number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. That's 200 million troops. This is an unimaginable army. And these mounted troops were on horses who had heads like lions and their tails were like snakes. Friends, along with many of these apocalyptic images in the book of Revelation, I have no idea what this sixth trumpet means. And if I try to guess, I'll only be making stuff up like everybody else. And so I want you to notice the main point again. Notice again, after these horrific judgments, the main point in verses 20 and 21, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons, and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their sin. Friends, hear the warning of God's wrath before it is too late. Terrible judgments are coming on the people of this world. It may seem like it's just another day. It may seem like all is fine. Why are we getting so alarmed? But here's the reality behind the reality you see. There is coming a day of judgment. Payday will come. Payday will come. And so stop worshiping idols that cannot see or hear or walk or save. Repent and turn to Jesus today. Don't be like Pharaoh. 
Don't harden your heart against God and His Word. Don't be like these people in verse 20 and 21 who just say, oh, that's just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. This is true, friends. This is reality. Now, if you're a guest with us today, I'm pretty sure you're not going to be coming back after this super encouraging Mother's Day sermon. But before you leave, please give me just another minute of your time and hear the great news of the gospel. You see, here's the reality. God is being merciful to you right now. That you are still alive and able to hear this warning, the warning of this passage is evidence that God is being patient with you and is giving you time to repent. You see, God is holy. God hates and judges sin and His judgments are always just and they're always right. And here's the truth. All of us are sinners. All of us. We have all turned our back on God's mercy and His love. We have hardened our hearts against Him and we have worshipped idols and we deserve God's righteous wrath. We have looked at these trumpets, we have heard these trumpets and we have hardened our hearts and turned away and said, that's not for me. Friends, which is why Jesus, the Son of God, is so beautiful. Because when Jesus died on the cross, He bore that punishment that we deserve. See, here's what Jesus did when He died on that cross. He endured the hellish locust of God's wrath in our place. See what Jesus did? Jesus stood against the army of lion-headed, snake-tailed horses in our place. Jesus drank the bitter water that we deserve. He took our death. He bore our punishment if we will trust in Him. If we will turn away from the idols of our hearts and turn to Him alone. And so that's the intended response of this passage right now. Repentance. Turn away from your idols. Turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus alone before it's too late. And I want to pray that you'll do that now. So join me in prayer. God, I pray that those in this room who are not trusting you, young and old alike, God, I pray that you would open their eyes to the glory and beauty of King Jesus and that they would turn from their sin, they would turn from their idolatry, and right now they would turn to Jesus alone. Lord, we thank you for passages like this that remind us of ultimate reality and remind us of just how ugly our sin is and just how merciful you have been to us. Oh God, our sins are many. Your mercy is more. So help us to celebrate the gospel now. And we thank you for it in Jesus' great name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together and sing His mercy is more.